Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Monday the 13th of December. I'm Tom Tilley and Katrina Blouse. This is the last week of regular programming for The Briefing. I know. How exciting. We're going to take just a tiny break over Christmas. We're going to be with you every day in your feed still with the daily headlines. So you won't miss out on those. You can stay up to date over Christmas and the New Year's. And today we're talking about teachers and what a time they've had during the pandemic. If you're a teacher who's thought about quitting in the last two years, well, you're definitely not alone. The pandemic has been really, really tough on teachers, especially the past two years in Victoria. The amount of work that we've had to to do to actually pivot to online was insane. You had to change everything so that it could then be used in an online format and that the kids could access. And sitting there in front of a screen all day and not moving was just horrendous. So that's one of our listeners, Carol, who's a teacher and um, clearly done it really tough there in Victoria. I mean, if If you're waiting for the year to end, imagine being a teacher. And if you're sick of Zoom meetings, imagine being a teacher. Um, As you'll hear in our briefing, the stress of all of that, as well as low pay, um, also a retiring workforce and declining university enrolments mean there's a massive teacher shortage on the way. And in the largest state, New South Wales, it is so bad there are fears the state could actually run out of public school teachers. If the message is, we don't care, then who's going to want to come into education and if the messages that we hear is you know there's untenable workloads but once again who's going to want to come into the profession yeah so we're running out of teachers and if that's the case what should we do about it is it just as simple as paying them more um that's our briefing later in the show first here are today's headlines Well, the Queensland border is now down. Can you hear the excitement (laughs) in my voice? After five months, travellers from New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT have started crossing into Queensland this morning. It opened up to fully vaxxed travellers from 1am Queensland time. Yeah, police are urging those crossing the border to pack their patience with 50,000 people expected to take advantage of the relaxed rules today. Please don't think that you'll come to the border and you will easily get through. Um, It is a case of there is a compliance system in place and obviously those checks will be carried out. That's the Queensland Police Commissioner Katarina Carroll speaking there. What you're going to need if you want to come into Queensland, you're going to need a COVID test, you're going to need your proof of vaccination, you're going to need to get another PCR test again on day five on your re-entry into Queensland. This brings a super tough five-month closure to an end, Tom. Mm. We've been covering stories of people separated from their children, um, people who um, have had dying relatives in Queensland and they haven't been able to see them on their final day. Um, Mums separated from their babies who've needed to be flown into Queensland to get specialist medical treatment and haven't been able to see their babies, you know, given birth to babies and not been able to see them except for via FaceTime for sometimes weeks on end. People living in tents because they couldn't afford the hotel quarantine. It's just been brutal for many, many people and it's caused so much pain. Yeah, and so many people in Victoria, New South Wales and other states have connections to Queensland. Like we're a very interlinked country in that way. So I think almost everyone has a story of being affected by that border closure. My brother's wife, her parents have been separated for over four months, um, living Mm. in in separate states for the first time ever in their like... 40-year marriage, um, that's all going to come to an end, though, which is which is very exciting. It also means people like you <laughs> yes. can go out. That's well, the other I, side of it. 
I am taking advantage of it. I'm going to be crossing over into New South Wales today. I have not seen my dad and my stepmom since the beginning of the year. So I'm so excited to give them a hug again just before Christmas. Yeah. And in response to this, it's a lot of good news, but I guess a slight bit of bad news is that WA are putting up a tougher border with Queensland now because of this. And WA will be the only state um, with hard borders from Wednesday because Tassie's opening up. The WA Premier is expected to announce their reopening date today. As they hit 80%, the date is expected to be close to the point where um, they hit 90%. That could happen in around late January, which is around the time Queensland is expected to hit that figure too. Yeah, still a long way away for people in Western Australia and not soon enough to keep the Ashes. Um, And it's been announced that the fifth Ashes will be played in Hobart, which is really good for Tasmania. That'll start on the 14th January. The time frame for COVID booster shots has now been shortened from six months to five. We do believe that boosters are going to be much more important. That's Brendan Murphy, who's the Federal Health Department Secretary. So, yeah, the research has shown that the third shot is vital for protection against Omicron and the fast-track rollout comes as an extra vaccine is added to the nation's booster arsenal. Atagi have cleared Moderna for use as a third shot. And that means that if you've had Pfizer or another kind of vaccination, you can now mix and match to get your booster shot. It doesn't matter. You don't need to get all the same type of vaccine anymore. More than 100 people are believed dead from the tornadoes that have ripped through Kentucky and five other states in Midwest America. In some of the smaller areas, you know, small towns, rural towns, there are some places that have been completely flattened. Our emergency response teams are still surveying the damage and and knocking on doors and reaching out to folks trying to make contact to see who's alive. That's Kentucky Lieutenant Governor Jacqueline Coleman speaking to the BBC there. Uh, The pictures, if you've seen them on the Mm. news, I have not seen anything like this. It is as though a a nuclear bomb has gone off in some of these places, like the town of Mayfield, where a whole candle factory, so staff in there making candles for Christmas, it's been completely destroyed. The cleanup and search for survivors will continue across six states. So they think that one of these tornadoes is going to set a new record for the amount of land that it actually crossed. It covered nearly 400 kilometres. It's unheard of at this time of year, Tom. Mm. Normally tornadoes happen in spring. It is so rare for this kind of thing to happen in the dead of winter because it relies on humid air coming in from the Gulf of Mexico, which is a weather phenomenon that just normally normally doesn't occur right now. And there's been a dramatic finish to the Formula One championship. Um, So Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton were on equal points heading into the final race of the championship. And they were also pretty much neck and neck on the final lap. And finally, Verstappen overtook Hamilton on the very last lap. Oh, gosh, he's 24 years old. Wow. (laughs) And wow, he's um, now won his first F1 title. The race ended Hamilton's reign of four consecutive titles and denied him a chance to pass Michael Schumacher on seven championships and also the claim to be the greatest driver in the sports history. That's got a sting. Mm. And Katrina, I guess this guy um, could be the opposite of an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, authorities believe a New Zealand man has actually received up to 10 doses of COVID vaccine in a single day. So it's believed that this guy might have been paid to get the shots under the names of other people who wanted the freedoms but didn't want to get the jabs themselves. 
Ministry of Health officials say they're investigating and working with law enforcement. Uh, immunologists have labelled the actions of this guy really dumb in quotation marks. And they also say this man probably won't be any better protected against COVID, but he's likely to feel worse with worse than average side effects of, I'm imagining, a super sore arm. Mm, Definitely. Okay, Tom, we'll catch you tomorrow. Jan's about to jump in. We're going to find out why so many teachers are quitting. Hi, it's Jan Fran here and those voices that you're hearing are some of the thousands of teachers who took to the streets of Sydney last week going on strike for the first time in more than a decade. Yeah, that action closed almost 400 public schools in New South Wales for 24 hours. At the heart of this issue is pay. But some of you who are teachers and who listen to the briefing have told us the things that you're upset about actually go so much deeper still teaching but if we did leave it would be because of workload and conditions. I know a principal who is not at work because of vaccine refusal. Schools need principals and students need their teachers. Very little grace or understanding is afforded to teachers and they are so often mocked in the media and their very important role reduced to worksheets or babysitting and holidays. That was Jasmine and before her you heard from Beck and Alana, all Australian teachers and all briefing listeners Thanks for getting in touch with us, guys. Now, we mentioned the protests in Sydney, but these issues facing teachers and the education sector are really nationwide. Yeah, so we've uh, recently heard reports about principals in regional Queensland having to take to social media to try and fill hundreds of vacancies across the state. Victoria and Tasmania, the teachers' unions there estimate more than half of those with a teaching degree don't work in education. And then there is that issue of vaccine mandates. WA, which already has a teacher shortage, faces losing at least 300 teachers when the mandate kicks in there before the start of next school year. Yeah, so what is going on here and and how can we turn it around? And to help us answer that question, we've got Associate Professor Louise Phillips. She's from the Faculty of Education at Southern Cross University. Dr Louise Phillips, thanks so much for joining us. Is this a national crisis? Absolutely, and it's a global crisis. So the loss of learning, we do have international figures from UNICEF where it's in the trillions of hours and that we've actually gone back 20 years in terms of the gains that have happened for education. The rate of burnout is phenomenal. So I'm connected with teachers across all sectors in our survey, early childhood, primary, secondary and tertiary, that all have experienced burnout and have leaving the sector as well. The idea that we could run out of teachers, and, you know, this is something that was sort of revealed in some internal documents at the New South Wales Department of Education, the possibility that they might run out of primary school teachers by 2026. That seems almost unfathomable. Could it happen? Yeah, very likely. The sector that's most affected by teacher shortage is the early childhood sector. One in four preschools, kindergartens will not be able to appoint a teacher that's required. There's a prediction of a shortfall of, I think it's 20,000 over the next few years. It's a serious crisis and what I see is what's really 
at stake here is the dire need to value and prioritise education. So, yeah, we haven't heard education talked about throughout the pandemic in the public space by politicians in the media. So, for example, if we look at the expenditure of gross domestic products in Australia on education, it sits at 1.8%, whereas the global average is 4.5%. We need to value and prioritise education. You were saying before about the ridicule, and I think, you know, one of the common things that teachers cop a lot of flack over is, oh, but you get so many school holidays and you finish at 3pm. How tough can your life be? Just describe for us what it's been like for teachers during the pandemic and what it is in their day that they have to deal with. Nine to three is the face-to-face time, right? So that's when you're teaching the children and, and young people. You have to prepare. So there's the preparation that takes place. And then there's the marking. All of that happens beyond the face-to-face time. And, you know, that's at least another third of that face-to-face time during the pandemic. The default was going online. It was a sudden switch that we had to become digital designers without the training and very minimal resourcing. So it was kind of like just thrown at you you know, you could use this, this and this, they were bombarded with information. It wasn't carefully curated to know what to do. So that preparation was phenomenally increased. So you were having to kind of create your own videos, all these interactive digital, you know, learning tools, and that takes extraordinary amounts of time. Just to read you one comment from the survey, you know, most of my weekend is spent preparing, marking, giving feedback, uploading videos and lessons. I forget how to talk about anything else with people I know who aren't teachers. I struggle to sleep at night for thinking So just the constant thinking about how to actually still provide quality education. This was the number one struggle for Australian teachers was the quality was compromised, the incessant nature of the workload so much higher than usual. But there were problems in the education or the the teacher workforce prior to the pandemic as well. There was an ageing workforce, enrolments in university courses were dropping, there was complaints over low pay. Again, all of this was happening before the pandemic. Have they just been exacerbated now because of the difficulties of the last two years? Yeah, absolutely. And this is because it hasn't been prioritised. You know, the public conversation has been around health which is necessary, but education is another key sector. We have to have the same conversations about education. The World Bank has, you know, predicted, you know, trillions of loss in terms of, you know, so economists do these calculations. If you have that kind of liberal futurist perspective of education that we're building the next workforce, that's where the the losses have been phenomenal. And so there's not that future thinking, I suppose they've just been thinking about surviving the pandemic. So, yeah, we are going to see the fallout of this over the next five, ten years in quite severe ways. Federal governments, state governments all have to be 
seriously investing in education and seriously valuing it. So we need to hear those messages that this is a highly respected and valued profession and that the nation highly values education. So if we get those messages across and value the profession, then the recruitment will be boosted. If you know the message is we don't care, then who's going to want to come into education? And if the message is that we hear is, you know, there's these untenable workloads, but once again, who's going to want to come into the profession? Louise, can you paint us a picture of what we stand to lose as a country, as a people, as a workforce, as a population, if we do end up facing this very serious issue of a teacher shortage right around the country? What does Australia look like in that scenario? So you'll have a much smaller population who are educated, that is who complete high school and go to university. That will seriously diminish because of the impact of the losses. So this is what's happened. We've got the education divide has been phenomenally exacerbated. But then you'll see the loss in you know, all the fallout in all the professions across um, you know, medicine, law, across the suite of health, you know, physios, speech therapists, dentists, and so on. So the shortages will spread. There'll be a, a ripple effect. But the investment in education needs to be doubled or tripled, really. That was Associate Professor Louise Phillips from Southern Cross University there. I think one of the takeaways from that interview for me is the ripple effect that you're likely to see if there is a teacher shortage in Australia and what that means for students graduating, what that means for their grades, what that then means for university entrances and what that then means for the workforce. Are we going to have less doctors, less lawyers, less people in those industries and professions? And how do we kind of get that conversation going with young people again? You know, you ask young people what they want to do. It's like, I want to be a gamer or a YouTuber. Mm. Teaching doesn't really factor in anymore as, as a profession that kids are really drawn to. So making that a really prized career path, I think, needs to be a conversation too. Tomorrow on The Briefing, New Zealand's almost unbelievable smoking ban and whether Australia might follow suit. Listener.